you to 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18. I uh, thinking about all day today and thinking about what to do, what to preach. I always like to preach according to the, the, the day, I guess you want to say, you want to preach Christmas, you want to preach on something Christmas. Uh, Mother's Day, you want to preach about mothers or for mothers and that type of thing. And God just didn't let me go that route. And, uh, but I will say this about mothers. Uh, if you'll treat your mother the way you need to all year long, you don't have to try to make up for it all in one day. And all the mama said, amen. That's just a little word from the Lord, amen. I was thinking about this. I said, my, well, you know, we, it's, it's mama's day, Lord, and I need to, I need, he said, son, you treat your mama like you're supposed to all year long, and you ain't got to make up for it in one day. Uh, you need to take your mama out more than just mother's day. Mamas, y'all got to help me a little bit here. Uh, treat them right, Amen. You know, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. Do you know there's not an expiration date on that verse? We think once we turn 18, we don't have to do that no more. They're your mama till you die. Amen. amen. All right. Now that that's out of the way, say amen. 1 Kings chapter number 18. And, and we'll, we'll just read verse 21. And a few other verses, and, 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 and I'll just bring you up to speed after that to save some time. 1 Kings 18 and verse number 21. When you get there, say amen. Amen. And Elijah came unto all the people, and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. What a challenge. It kind of sounds familiar to the book of Joshua. Joshua got with these same people, said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In that day, they said, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. But let's see what their response was. If God be the Lord, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Read it with me. And the people answered him, not a word. Now, for any other person, that may not seem like that big a deal. But to a preacher... That's heartbreaking. I'd almost rather somebody just say, hey, I'm just, than just not answer at all. That means I'm not in, but I'm not out. I want the blessings of God, but I want to hold on to the pleasures of the world. They answered him, not a word. Dear Heavenly Father, help us this morning. I pray your will be done. I pray that you'll bless the church. This is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of truth. Lord, this is the church that you said, on this rock you're going to build it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, that is talking about a defensive term. Lord, uh, the gates of hell has no defense with the power of the church of God. 
Lord, we're supposed to be on the offense. We're supposed to be, uh, Lord, taking control. We're supposed to be taking ground. We're supposed to be going out into this world, out into the devil's territory and taking back what he stole. But I'm afraid we're on the defensive. I'm afraid, Lord, we're throwing up our gates and trying to just fend off a hell and the devil. And it shouldn't be that way. God, I pray that your will be done this morning. You know how much I need you right now. Lord, I need you in an incredible way, and I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. To kind of bring you up to speed where we're at in 1 Kings chapter number 18. You need to understand that, that King Ahab was the, the most wicked king that Israel ever had. Ahab did things that, that just would curl your hair. Ahab was a wicked, idolatrous man. He, he married an even more wicked woman than he was. Ahab brought the children of Israel into the worst idolatry, the worst immorality. I mean unspeakable immorality which came from the idolatry and pulling in the God Baal into the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, we know, was founded by Father Abraham. Abraham had a covenant with God. God said, I'm going to bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. You follow my commandment. You follow my covenant. You stick with me and you'll have my hand the rest of your days. He told the nation of Israel when he brought them into the promised land, when they left Egypt, and God brought him in. He said, I've laid before you blessing and cursing. I've laid before you life and death. He said, choose you. Choose you which route you want to go. And as long as the nation of Israel followed God, obeyed the word of God, was obedient to the will of God, God blessed them beyond measure. God gave them peace and God gave them prosperity. God prospered everything that they did. But boy, they would begin to, they would begin to get used to what they had. They would begin to get prideful in what they had. And even though God's blessings was on them, they would forget where it came from. Just like the church today, God puts his hand on a place. God puts his favor in a place. And God's blessings and prosperity is on a place. And we get used to it and we get raised up in pride. And, and we get to thinking it's us that we can make it happen. And we get prideful and God has to move. The nation of Israel drifted away and this wicked king, oh, have mercy, this wicked king did some incredibly ungodly things. You say, what does that have to do with us? We have a king. We have a president now that is ungodly. I don't care what you say. I don't care what. When the first bill you sign has to do with promoting abortion and everything you do is about to promote that agenda. Listen, promoting partial birth abortions. If you are in your mind supporting somebody that he just now, he just now uh, uh, done away with the abstinence only program that President Bush set up. Listen, I, 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 I don't have no argument with you. If that's who you want to support, that's your business. And I'm not here to promote politics i'm just here to tell you the truth we are in trouble we are in trouble it's not just about our finances it's not just about the economy man that was a mantra it's the economy stupid no it's not it's the immorality that's where the problem is god listen righteousness exalteth the nation but sin is a reproach on any people boy if we get our hearts right if we'd get the churches back where they need to be, if we'd get back on the firing line, God would take care of the economy. It's not the economy. Listen, churches, people, God's people put that bird in there. We are in trouble. We are in trouble. 
Churches are falling apart. Churches are fragmenting. Churches, listen, they've gotten away from the power of God. They've gotten away from the favor of God, just like we see here. The man of God will stand up. Listen, Joshua is called. If you'll understand and go back and read First, uh, first Kings chapter number 17, we see Elijah the Tishbite stands up in the face of Ahab. I like a man of God with courage, don't you? I like somebody with backbone. I like somebody that's going to just say it like it is and, and let it just fall where it may. He said, listen, as the Lord thy God liveth, it will not rain till you hear from me. God put a word in his heart. God put a prophecy in his heart, and it did not rain for three years. Three years, no rain. Three years of drought. Three years because they were following Baal. And Elijah said, "You before this whole thing is over, you're going to know that there is a God who is alive and well. You know what America needs to see this morning? They don't need to see people that are backing up and begging. They need to see people that are standing up and believe that there is still a God in heaven. There is still a God that believes in the Bible. There is still a God who can bless and, and prosper us in our need. He said, you're going to see that there's a God in Israel. Three years, God blessed his man. God sent his man to the widow. And you know how all that took place and at the brook. But now it's time for the showdown. Now it's time to get it done. Three years, God says, okay, Elijah, it's time. You need to go to Ahab and let's make this thing happen. Three years, no water. Three years, there is a drought. Three years, the animals start dying. Three years, no water, no prosperity. It's starting to get in their pocketbook now. Does that sound familiar? Their animals are dying. Listen, their livelihood, all of those were agriculture people. Listen, and when their animals start dying, they start losing money. Their finances go haywire. Listen, they're in bad trouble. We're in bad trouble. Let's go do something about it. Elijah shows up on the scene. He says, Ahab, it's funny what Ahab says. He said, aren't you the one that is troubling Israel? Says that to the man of God. man of God said, oh, no, it's not me. It's you and, and all of your policies. It's you and all of Baal worship. It's you and all them prophets you brought in. It's you that, who have killed all the prophets of the Lord. I'm not troubling them. You are. And by the way, God has something to do, and he wants us to make this happen. So he issues a challenge. He says, look, he comes to the people. He comes to the people, and he said, if Lord be God, see, they're, they're, they're teeter-tottering. The tabernacle is still there. Do you understand that? The tabernacle is still there. They're still bringing sacrifices. Yet over here on this side, they're bowing down to Baal. You say, what does that have to do with us? Because there's people that still go into the house of God. You're still going to church, yet you're playing around in the world like God will never come back, like Daddy ain't never coming home. It's Mother's Day. My mama used to tell me and my brother, you go ahead, be stupid. Your daddy's coming home. I, have you forgotten it? It's just a little while. Daddy's coming home. And it's amazing how forgetful we get. It's amazing how ignorant we'll get as children. And the closer that 4 o'clock came, we realized, uh-oh. You know what? Daddy's coming home. And we're playing and we're running around and we're doing everything but what God wants us to do. And we wonder why our country's in such bad shape. He said, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, listen, serve him. If Baal, then serve him. Quit playing around. Quit walking the fence. Quit trying to be two ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Which one are you going to serve? And they answered him, not a word. 
The man of God proclaims the word of God. He proclaims the direction of God. And they wouldn't answer him a word. It's happening today in the church. The man of God can stand up and say, this is what God wants us to do. This is the direction God wants us to go. This is the word of God for the hour. And you know what we'll do? We'll have to play politician. We'll have to play, play, uh, listen, patty cakes and baby people and put pacifiers in their mouth. That's not the way it should be. It should not be that way. The man of God should say the word of God and say, this is where we need to go. And we ought to rise up and follow God's word and God's man. And we've got churches that's wishy-washy. We've got people that are answering not a word, not a word. He said, look, we need to, let's, let's just have a contest. Let's build two altars. Let's build two altars and put, put, put a sacrifice on that altar. And then and you call on Baal. You get all your prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the grove. That's 850 prophets, 850 men against one. So they did. And it's funny. No, it's not. It's not funny. It's tragic that the people, instead of seeing their condition, instead of seeing what's going on, they said, that sounds like a good plan. You know what they were saying? Well, let's just see what happens. And you know what happens? The man of God will stand up in the pulpit of God and proclaim the word of God, and everybody will sit back and say, well, let's see if it goes or falls. Y'all doing it. Y'all can look at me any way you want to look at me. I know that's what you're doing. You're waiting to see if it's going to work or not. You're waiting to see what's going to happen. You're just like the people here. Well, let's just see what happens. It shouldn't be that way. He should have said, hey, the Lord said, that's all it, that's it. But we're just going to back up, we're going to see. Uh-huh. Well, preacher stepped into it this time. Let's see if it's going to work. And it's, it's amazing. I, I remember times that my dad would, would try to do something in the house of God. And, and listen, he would proclaim, listen, this is the direction God wants us to go. And there'd be some that would go, but there'd be those in the shadows waiting. Because just as soon as it didn't go, they'd stand up, see, I told you, I told you. But boy, when it did work, they'd all want to jump on the wagon and say, look what we'd done. It'd make me sick. These people should have stood up for Elijah and stood up for God, but they said, let's just see what's going to happen. Just in case. Here we are, we have this altar. We have this sacrifice, and on over here, the man of God is watching. And he's got a sense of humor. As they begin to call, and they said, listen, whatever, whatever God sends fire from heaven, if it, listen, you call on your God, I'll call on mine, and, and, and we'll see who answers. And whoever answers by fire, that's the true God. They said, sounds like a plan. That's a good idea. So 800, now this is not just off the cuff. Brother Barry, you got to understand that Elijah remembered that when God filled the tabernacle, when they built uh, the, the temple there, that when God came down, he came down in fire and consumed the sacrifice. So this was not the first rodeo for fire calling down for God. Are y'all with me? This is something that he remembered that had happened, and here we go, and, and man, they start, they start chanting, and they start calling, and they start calling, and we know nothing happens. And the more they call, they get into a frenzy, and they begin to cut each other, and they begin to get crazy. And it's amazing what happens when people get crazy. They start dancing all over the place and, and calling out, and, 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 uh, and, and Elijah begins to mock them. He has a sense of humor. He begins to say, uh, uh, maybe he's on vacation. You might want to call Ella. He might be in the bathroom. 
Study it. The word pursuing, that's what it means. He may be in the restroom. You might, hey, he's hard of hearing. Call a little louder. He's enjoying this. And, I, you know, I could see his point. If I said, listen, let's follow God and nobody said nothing, and that was what was happening, I'd probably enjoy it too. And we know by the time they eat and sacrifice, nothing happened. Nothing happened. He said, all right, boys, you had your chance. You had your time. You had your shot. Now get out the way. And this is what I want to share with you. Right now in our country, they jumping around, dancing around, calling in the government, calling in the culture. They're trying to get God out of everything there is. They're having their time. But we need to stand up. The Bible says at the time of the evening sacrifice, this is what he said. Are you all ready for this? Say amen. Look in verse, look in, 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 in verse number 30. You see the condition of the government. You see the corruption of the people. The people are not in and they're not out. They just don't know which way to go. And Elijah said unto all the people, verse 30. Y'all with me? Say amen. Stay with me now. I'm on just a few minutes. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And, and read this part with me. And he... You wonder why the condition of the people was what it was? The altar was broken down. Listen. So goes the family. So goes the church. So goes the church. So goes the community. So goes the community, so goes the country. We can stand up. Now, I don't like what's going on in Washington, not one little bit. I don't like none of it. None of it. I, don't, I, I hadn't liked none of it for a while. But that's not the problem with our country. That's not the problem. It's not the White House. It's not the State House. It's not the Senate. It's the Church House. Listen. The altar is broken down. I was talking with a person the other day, and they said that a house that is not lived in will fall apart faster than a house that is lived in. That is a true statement. A house that is not being used, a house that is not being lived in, a house that is not being occupied will fall apart faster than a house that's being lived in and utilized. Preacher, what are you saying? I believe the altar of the Lord had been abandoned. I believe they had left the altar of the Lord. I believe they had left the place of God there. And that is the reason they were in the shape they were in. I went back, I went back and, and read some verses. I, 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 I read about Abraham when God called Abraham out of his country and said, Go to a place that I will show thee thereof. And do you realize that when he got there, the first thing that he did was build an altar? Genesis 12, 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded the altar of the Lord. Uh, listen, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. 
The only place that you find uh, Abraham without an altar is in Egypt. And Egypt is a type of the world. It's amazing. You won't find an altar in Egypt. You won't find, listen, looking for the presence of God when you're out of the will of God. He should have never went down to Egypt, and because of that, he lost his nephew Lot, and there he found no altar. But just as soon as God got his attention, just as soon as he came out of Egypt, the first place he went to was the place of the altar where he was in the beginning. Oh, we need to find the altar again. Oh, we need to be burdened about the altar again. The lives will change. The country will change. Not in the Senate. Not in the State House. Not in the White House. But at the altar at the church house. Listen, I went back and looked in in, in Leviticus 1 through 7. Leviticus is the Levitical law that God began and He gave the nation of Israel there at Mount Sinai. And listen, there were sacrifices that God commanded them to give. There were different sacrifices, but three major sacrifices, three main sacrifices that they were to bring to the altar. The altar. Now listen, I don't want nobody to get, get excited and think we're going to go long. We may not even get past point one. And, that, and if that's, that's the case, that's okay. But I don't miss this. One of the first offerings you'll read about is the burnt offering. That was the offering that represented or expressed commitment to God. It expressed commitment. When when you wanted to express and show God your commitment to Him. Well, that's a dirty C word, isn't it? Commitment. We don't want to be committed to anything. We won't be committed to our spouses. We won't be committed to our church. We won't be committed to our groups. We don't want any commitment whatsoever. We won't be committed to our jobs. Listen, men won't be committed to their contracts. Whatever's more money, they're not committed to anything. And that offering represented commitment to God. They would bring that burnt offering. Listen, that offering was a free will offering. That offering was not only a free will offering, it was an offering without spot or blemish. If you were going to bring a burnt offering that represented your commitment to God, you would not bring the weakling of the flock. You would not bring the worst of the flock. You would go through that flock and you would find the best lamb. You would find the best calf. You would find the one that was without spot and without blemish. You would find the very best that you could and brought it to the altar of God and said, God, what I have, I'm giving my best to you. And the nation of Israel left that. The nation of Israel went away from that in Micah chapter number 1. We find God was, listen, he was upset about this situation. He said in Malachi 1.13, Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Now watch what God says. Should I accept this at your hand? Should I accept this offering? I mean, you're not bringing me the best. You're bringing me what's left over. This altar of commitment, this burnt offering that is supposed to represent your commitment to me, you're just bringing what you got left over. Boy, I begin to think about that. I know we don't bring calves, and I know we don't bring goats. Jesus was the final sacrifice. But do you realize that church people today, the only thing they've got for God is whatever they've got left over. 
God, I, listen, preacher, I'll get in a ministry if I, if I can squeeze a little time in my slot. Oh, God, I, I, I'll give you a little time if I can make some time for it. Oh, honey, you got it all backwards. You got it all backwards. The Bible said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. God is not an afterthought. God is not a leftover God. God wants to be first place in your life, and we are God's children. He gave us the breath that we breathe. He gave us, listen, the salvation of our souls, and he died on the cross so we could make it to heaven. And the only thing he deserves is the best we have. Oh, if we have time, we'll do that. Oh, whatever we have left over, we'll try to squeeze him in. No, you need to squeeze everything out. He said, listen, when you build the tabernacle, you put it right in the center of the whole camp. Why? It needs to be the center of life. It needs to be the first thing they see when they get up in the morning. It needs to be the last thing they see when they go to bed. God is first, and there is none like Him. We are to honor Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul. Not what's left over. Not what's left over. We need to give Him the best that we have can't get people to commit to anything you know what we're not bowing down to Baal let's take an A out and add an L we're bowing down to ball I listen to sports radio and they're treating Saban like he's a god now I'm not I'm not trying to get on nobody I know what y'all are and I know what I am I bleed orange and blue say amen we're not going to get no roll tide thing here. But I'm telling you, they even begin to say it on the radio. One of them said it wouldn't matter what he did. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to get on the ball thing. I play ball. I like ball. I coach ball. I know what I'm talking about. We worship it like it's the only thing there is. And we are teaching our kids that that's the most important thing in life. Do you realize they'll grow up thinking a football's more important than the house of God and the word of God? We'll teach them how to throw a football, but we won't teach them what John 3, 16, that's a problem. Oh, but we want them to get an education. We want them to get this. Do you realize the percentage of that happening? It's amazing to me how many parents thinks their kid is Joe Namath. God, help us. I, I volunteered to coach this year for girls softball. And what was I thinking? I, you know, Kendrick, I need to kind of stay spiritual. Now, Brother Chad, you know what I'm talking about. You coach too. You've seen the parents. You've seen the people. I got one now that won't even look at me. I'm on the ball field. You're a preacher. You're a preacher. Remember, you're a preacher. Don't you say that. Don't you say what you're thinking, really. Repent of your sins now in Jesus' name. You're a preacher. Don't forget that. Son, I tell you what, we'll pray. We'll pray that we go into extra in. We'll pray that it'll go into double overtime. We come to the house of God. Until Johnny gets stupid. 
And then you come to me and say, I don't know what happened. I do. Hobbies. Pageants. Ladies, y'all ain't out of this thing. Cheerleading and all this stuff. Now, I know what you're thinking. Because, see, God gave me a psychic gene. See, you didn't know I had that, did you? I have it, yeah. I got a 900 number. 900, 800, whichever number. Is that right? Yeah, see, Kendrick called it. Amen. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, he's just preaching against that. No, I'm not. I'm preaching against the worship of that. I like ball. I, I was sitting in the coaches. I was sitting in the coaches dugout Friday night. Our girls, it was one to zero. I mean, we held them scoreless. I've got girls that's never played ball before in their life. Seven of them never played ball before in their life. Could not throw it out of their shadow. Son, we're playing like we're pros. And they're out there, and I'm excited, and I'm just sitting there. And they, one of them hit a long fly ball to center field. We got a little girl about that big. Never played before in her life. She doesn't have a clue. I mean, really, it's the most unorthodox thing you've ever seen in your life. And she's running out there in that long fly ball, and she catches it, and I run halfway across the field. Yeah! Man, I was so excited. She caught the ball. And the, and the one that was subbing on the, in the dugout said, Preacher, you're weird. I like it. I get excited about it. But bless God, we've got to quit worshiping it. All I hear, we've got to do something for the kids. We've got to do something for the kids. My goodness, we're losing our kids. And then we do something, and they won't show up. How long halt you between two opinions? Dear God, just give an answer. Where are we going to get an answer? It's when we rebuild the altar. You know why the altar's abandoned? Because what do you do at the altar? You bring a sacrifice. Nobody wants to sacrifice anymore. I remember when we'd come with no air conditioning. Try that now. How many of y'all remember them old wooden pews? That if Kendrick moved on one end, Miss Diane would get pinched on the other? Anybody remember them? See, y'all thought it was the Holy Ghost. It was the splinters, man. But you know what? We came and we loved it. I remember one time the air conditioner went out at Bethel. Dad put in ceiling fans and raised the windows. Because we's too poor to buy an air conditioner. And you know what? It grew more that year, that summer, than any summer we ever had. Where's our sacrifice? We don't know what sacrifice is. We think it's a sacrifice if we've got to walk across gravel. We've got people in Vietnam and in Thailand and all these other places who are having their heads cut off for just reading the Bible crawling through jungles on their knees in the middle of the night for miles just to get one gospel, just the gospel of John. And we're so spoiled in America, if we don't have everything, if we don't roll the red carpet out for all of God's people, they won't show up. 
No wonder the altar's abandoned. We had sacrifice if we go to the altar. Preacher, you sound mad. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing where we are. The world is going to hell, and we don't care. Burnt offering deals with commitment and sacrifice. Have you brought your best to God lately? The time that you offer Him, is that the best that you have or is that what you have left over? If the offering and finances and, and, and any other thing that you give to God, is it the best that you have or is what's left over? The burnt offering, then the fellowship offering. The fellowship offering was that peace offering. That deals with communion with God. Communion with God. You know, at the altar, the Bible says that Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Let's go back to sacrifice just a second. I'm almost done. I'm not going to go to two. Maybe just briefly. But the Bible, I read another verse where the Bible says that he took Isaac and bound him. You know where he laid him? You know what Isaac was? The best that Abraham had. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom thou. You know what God was saying? I want the best that you have, son. You know what he did? He laid her down. Altar of sacrifice. The altar of commitment. But then the altar of communion. In Revelation. Oh, have mercy. Thank you, Lord. Revelation chapter number 3. The end of chapter number 3. We're going through the, the church age, and we get to the Laodicean church age. That's where we are now. Amen. If you want to see symptoms of our day, read, read, read about the Laodicean church. We're lukewarm. Lukewarm. He says, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. But then the encouragement of that, that, that letter, he said, I stand at the door. Tyler, he said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, We'll open that door. I'll come in and sup with him. And he with me. Supping. Supping. That means to sit down a while. Amen. You know what you said? You, you said you want to go hang out with me a little bit and talk and, and have fellowship. You know what we're saying? We want to sup together. Amen. Yeah. Around a cheeseburger. Yes, sir. And just fellowship. Amen. That's what God's saying. God's saying, I want to hang out with you. God, who made everything, says, I want to hang out with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to commune with you. God, the Father's waiting to spend some time with us. And we don't ever show up. The altar's crumbling because it's absent. It's vacant and God's saying, come to the altar and talk to me. Come to the altar and spend some time with me. I want to fellowship with you. I want to commune with you. When's the last time you supped with him? You just spent some time with him. Oh, that altar of communion and fellowship. They would bring 
sacrifices and laid on the altar and it would cook there on the altar. Then, then, the, then the people and the priests would sit down and eat it together in the presence of God. When's the last time you spent some quality time with the one who gave you life? We're going to spend some time with my parents. And that's important. Quality time. And I've heard people, why are you having this on this day and that? And, and really, honestly, when's the last time you had some quality time with the one that spoke you into existence? I'll tell you why we don't. Because of that third sacrifice. That trespass offering or that guilt offering. That was the offering that we bring for our stupidity. When we do willfully sin, we bring that offering. Listen, we bring that offering for our sin. It's called a trespass offering. To have, and that was the that, that was the sacrifice for cleansing. We don't want to commune because the Bible says God is light. First John, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with Him and or fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Because God is light and you can't commune with somebody walking in the shade. It's not the darkness that's killing the church, it's the shade. God ain't in the shade, not a bit. We, we just want to drift out a little bit. No, we won't go get on cocaine. No, we won't go, listen, uh, go to a, 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 a bar or go to a strip joint. No, we won't go that far, but we won't spend no time with him. We won't go out there and do it, but we'll sure click it into our remote control. We wonder why our country's the way it is. Preacher, I can't believe you're doing this on Mother's Day. Really, I can't either. I wanted to preach on the great woman in Elijah. God said, go talk about the great problem. Because that's where we are. We've got to rebuild the altar. Let me tell you how he rebuilt it, and then we'll, we'll dismiss Y'all get ready something. Just think about whatever. The second point. First one was the altar he rebuilt. Then the second point is the assignment he reminded. And I'll say this and we're going to pray. Now if you're closing up your notebook, don't close up your mind. Look back at me. When he rebuilt that altar, he took 12 stones. And it's very significant in that number. Because according to that verse, he said he took 12 numbers according to the tribes of Israel. And with those 12 stones, he was saying, don't y'all remember who you are? He was reminding them of their family. You're not just anybody. You're not a Canaanite. You're not an Amorite. You're not of the, listen, the Zidonians who Jezebel came from. Don't you remember who you are? Don't you, hey, there were days in my life 
There were days in my life when, listen, the friends around me wanted to get stupid, and I would not for no reason in this world, but my daddy was the preacher. It didn't have anything to do with me. My dad wouldn't have found nothing else about it. I mean, he wouldn't have known one thing about it, maybe, but I knew that it would reflect on him because of what I did. And you know what we're doing? We're living in such a way we have forgotten who our daddy is. We have forgotten that we are a called out assembly. We have forgotten that we are the children of the king. I'm not just anybody. I'm somebody. I belong to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I have been called out. I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. I am a peculiar people. I'm different than the world. I need to look different. I need to act different. I need to talk different. I need to walk different. I need to live in such a way that my lifestyle reflects the daddy that I have. My lifestyle and the things that I do will tell everybody that my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My father is the king of all glory. My father is the holy God in heaven and I need to remember who I am. Every stony stiff. Don't you remember? You're of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Don't you remember your heritage? Don't you remember your background? Don't you remember what God has done for you? Don't you remember the curse that God said He would bring? Don't you remember the blessing that God said He said He would bless your seed above all the earth? Listen, don't you remember who you are? He reminded them of their then he reminded them of their, not just their family, but their function. Here you are following Baal. You're supposed to be the nation that stands out and sheds the light of God, who he is, to all the world. You're supposed to be the witness. You're supposed to be the testimony. And you can't even give me an answer. Don't you know who you are? Look what he did. When he called fire down, this is what he asked God, yeah? He said, he said, God, please hear me so that all this world, all these people will know there's a God in heaven. There is a God in Israel and that I am your prophet. You know, that's, that sounds awful familiar to Joshua. When he said, God split the Jordan, you walked across on dry ground, so this nation will know that there is a God in Israel. Sounds awful familiar. Sounds awful familiar with David as he run down in that valley with a giant on the other end making fun of him and cussing him. He said, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. I'm going to whip them Philistines so you and everybody else up there will know that there's a God in Israel. All we're doing is, listen, tucking our tail between our legs and running off. Everybody else has come out the closet and we went in. Don't we need to stand up and say, hey, America, there is still a God. He is still on the throne. He is still in control. America, in God, we trust. We don't need to do it to say we're Baptists. We don't need to do it to say we're bragging about Temple Baptist Church. We need to stand up again so this world will see we serve a living 
God. He's alive and well and still on the throne. That's a world no. I know it. You know it. But it's about time they know it. But I'm telling you this. Brother David, they won't know it as long as we're halt between two opinions. They won't know it as long, Brother Barry, as we can't even find the altar. We don't know its address. We better buy Tom Tom. Type it in. Altar of the Lord. Let it get you there. Listen, we need him now. We need him now. Let's quit waiting to see what's going to happen. Let's quit waiting to see if all these changes are really going to work. Will we make up our mind? I don't worship ball. No, you worship tradition. No, you, you, you worship what it's always been. Well, let me tell you, what it's always been is dying. And it's gone. What it's always been has caused us to lose 77% of our young people. Now, we'll agree on that. We still don't want to change. That blows my mind. Well, somebody's got to have the courage to say, hey, this is the deal. How long? How long, church? Are we going to halt between two opinions? God's in it. Let's roll with it. If not, you need to find where he is. Is that a threat? No. But if you don't think he's here, you sure better be where he is. If Baal's him, follow him. If the Lord is, follow him. I know where he is. I know where he is. There is a God in Israel. And there is a God in temple. He's alive and well. Give him praise and glory. Lord Jesus, you said what you wanted me to say.